the guys you know and trust talking about the teams you can't live without. This is DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Don't miss your chance to win big every week on the KSL Sports Zone. This week, Win Ticket Wednesday, you can win a pair of tickets to Santana at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on August 21st. Listen to the KSL Sports Zone all day on Wednesday for your chance to win. Riley Jensen sitting in for DJ. Joining us now, looking forward to this opportunity to talk about the great Golden Richards, and it's his brother, Doug Richards. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, PK. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, Golden Pass, so we uh, extend our sympathies. Uh, but, you know, I was talking to you the other day. This kid, when he was a kid, was just unbelievable, man. How did you manage to get born into a family, because you played basketball at BYU, that had so much athletic talent at the highest levels? <laughs> well, thank you. Well, I guess uh starts with my mom and dad. Uh, and so we've got some pretty good genes in our family. and. Uh, in fact, I've got a, a grandson named Cash that's uh, going to the University of Utah next year. and He might be a future NFL player. He's a big defensive end. So, But, yes, Golden and, and uh, I have a younger brother, Sterling, that played football at BYU and, and uh, other brothers that uh, played all kinds of sports in high school and in college. And, and I, all of my sons played either college basketball or, or golf. So, so it's, it's been fun. So when I was growing up, I was born in 1974. Golden was drafted in 1973. My father, I mean, he's Golden is one of my earliest memories of the NFL. What's what's maybe one of your favorite stories that Golden would tell you about playing with Roger Staubach or Tony Dorsett or some of these some of these great sure. Dallas Cowboys? Well, he he loved being a cowboy, and uh, of course Roger Staubach, a Hall of Fame quarterback and uh, before him uh, Craig Morton so he had a pretty good uh, couple quarterbacks thrown to him and and uh, he really respected and, and uh, admired Roger and, and uh, so stories from you know coming across the middle and getting hit by linebackers and of course he's kind of famous for that uh, touchdown pass he caught in Super Bowl 12 I believe it was from uh, the halfback Robert Newhouse and uh and he just had a wonderful, you know, wonderful time down there with the, with the great teams. They went to two Super Bowls and won uh, one, and and, uh, and so he's a lot of a lot of stories. Uh, he was really fast, as everybody knows. And my younger brother Sterling was almost equally as fast. And after Golden injured his knee his senior year in college, uh, he had major surgery on it. And five or six months later, when the they had pro day down at uh, BYU, he had Sterling come down and run with him to, to uh, keep keep up and pushing to show the scouts that he still had speed. And, and they ran three 40-yard dashes down there in the Smith Fieldhouse and back in the day. And and, uh, and the Golden won one race, uh, 4.29 in the 40. And Sterling got him another one at 4.3. And then I think they tied it 4.3 seconds on the third. So, yeah, he had the blazing blazing speed and, and the hands with it. So, so he ended up being quite a star receiver in the NFL. Golden Rich's brother, Doug, joining us. What was it like in your household when they won the Super Bowl, and particularly in that particular play, 
it's funny, you know, Roger Stallback is a legendary name, but he catches the pass from Robert Newhouse, of all people. And I, I would imagine you guys watching that game, if you were not at the Super Bowl, maybe you were, I don't know, but how was it in that moment when he catches that ball? Because I've seen the highlight a hundred times, and it was a great throw yeah. by Newhouse because Golden was covered pretty tight. He was. It's. Uh, I was actually watching on TV. We were in law school at the time down in Southern California. But uh, I remember, of course, we were jumping up and down and excited. That sealed the, the victory for the Cowboys. And Golden used to call Robert Newhouse Bobby. He passed a few years ago, unfortunately. He said they had that play in the book. And, and uh, Coach Tom Landry called it. And, and he said he had a hard time seeing the ball because he was looking over his shoulder. And the, the lights in the Superdome were really bright and shining down. But uh, he said it was <laughs> the best pass that Bobby Newhouse had, had ever thrown. So they, uh, that was his great memory of that. But that was uh, that was quite an exciting uh, moment in time. Seems like that's on the Internet, and a lot of people have seen that. But oh, uh, yeah, yeah, especially now with him being in the news with his, uh, with his passing yeah. a little bit. They're showing that play over and over again. Yes, it was. Uh, he... He uh, got some other good ones too. And he caught one. I can't remember the team against Washington, and it was a one-handed one, and uh, was, was judged by one of the greatest catches in the NFL by one of the Ed Sable or some of those guys that produced some of those uh, some of those films. So, yeah, he was a he was a, a great brother and a, a kind person and a, a gifted athlete. And in high school, in track, his senior year at Granite, I think he single-handedly won the state tournament for us. He, he was gold medalist in the 100-yard dash, and 100 yards back 10 instead of meters, I think at 9.7. He long jumped 23.6 and won the gold, and then he won the the 440-yard uh, uh, intermediate hurdles and anchored the 4 by 100 uh, on the track team. So, yeah, he had the he had the blazing speed, a little bit, uh, a little bit smaller than, than I was. Uh, of course, I played basketball, but he he was uh, about a year and a half older than me, and so uh, just wonderful memories. We were on a lot of teams together in, in, in high school and growing up and, and uh, uh, being just a year apart. And He'd be so fast on the basketball court that we had to get him to slow down so he could gather himself for a jump shot. I remember <laughs> coach telling him, you got to gather yourself because he's so fast down the court. And it's our fast break we ran there at Granite High School. So, yeah, a lot of wonderful memories from the – I know Drew Pearson – uh, his uh, mate at uh, wide receiver threw him a halfback touchdown pass. I saw in one of the one of the links on one of the stories that the that the news media has had during the last few days. So, so a few highlights. He finished up with the Chicago Bears and and his uh, knee. Uh, pretty much his knee probably ended his career. He had uh, several uh, knee injuries and and broken ribs. He got uh, his ribs broken in the first Super Bowl against Pittsburgh. Uh, down in Miami, Super Bowl ten. So, a lot of good memories. Yeah, I remember. I remember when I was young. You know, growing up in Utah, it was either the Dallas Cowboys or the Pittsburgh Steelers. My neighbor liked the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, I was connected to the the Dallas Cowboys. My dad would tell Golden Richard stories to me all the time about how great he was. If 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 Golden were were to talk to us or to to express his feelings what what do you think he would want to be remembered for you know as far as his legacy goes and and who he was 
You know, Riley, that's a good question. He 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 was down to earth. Yeah, he was a star NFL player, but he loved he loved being a dad. He loved his his son, and he would he'd want to be known as a as a as a really good dad and a, and a kind person. And uh, try to try and as I indicated in one of the stories I I was interviewed for, uh, just a, just a good kind person. I don't believe he'd he'd be want to remembered as a football player that uh, cut touchdowns in the, in the Super Bowl and that type of thing. So I believe that's what he that's what he'd say that he was a he was a good guy. He was friendly. He was kind kind hearted, and uh, he he loved people, and uh, he would he would try to help. Where he could, and so that's why I think you'd probably remember that. Doug Richards, Golden's brother, joining us. Did he tell you stories about being around Tom Landry and Roger Staubach? Because those are two legends of the game, and will remain so. Yes, he he did. He really respected Tom Landry, and I think was a little, little. He was obviously sad at his passing, and when the the new ownership of the Cowboys took over. It was kind of a new, a new era. But uh, he, you know, Tom Landry with that famous hat he wore on the sideline and very methodical. They were in analytics before most of the other teams were. And Gil Brandt, their player personnel director, um, actually, actually, I was drafted uh, in 1974 in the 14th round. They thought maybe I could be a, a defensive halfback. And after I put, played a little uh, pro basketball over in Europe, I I tried out with them and and. Uh, and uh, wasn't good enough to make the uh, the final roster cut, but uh, uh, he said Landry was meticulous and 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 organized and uh, called most of the plays. Roger uh, Roger was smart enough; he he let him uh, audible and call some plays. But uh, he really respected uh, Roger, and uh, and everybody loved Roger and, and and Coach Landry. He 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 worked his tail off to. Or in the starting spot, his um, as a wide receiver, his second year with the Cowboys. So he loved those guys. Granite High School obviously is 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 no longer there, but there's some great stories. Was and I and I don't know where the where the cutoff is with Lavelle. Was Lavelle around Granite High School when you guys were there, or is that am I am I mixing up my my dates? Lavelle, Lavelle was there a few years earlier. I think he was there until about 1964, and then he went down to BYU as an assistant coach and was their uh, line coach before he took over. Uh, I think in '72 as the as the head coach from Tommy Hutzbeth. But I remember him in our backyard uh, recruiting uh, my brother uh, Golden and and then me and then Sterling and and uh, uh, we'd hit golf balls from our backyard down to a down to a pond in a field behind our house. So. So he was, as everyone knows, you know, Lavelle was just a, just a superhuman being, and and uh, kind of like Ronnie Mack, you know, everybody everybody loves Coach Mack and 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 Lavelle, and uh, so he was there a little bit before I graduated in '70, and Golden graduated a year earlier in '69. You played basketball at BYU with Chosich, right? I did. I had that privilege. I played with him down there, and then I was able to go over to. Uh, then Yugoslavia and play with him uh, after I finished up at BYU and in a, a European Cup tournament. It was like the championship uh, uh, tournament in, in all of Europe. And so I lived with him and got to know him very well. And was, he was a, a dear friend of mine. Uh, uh, next year will be 
30 years since he passed of, uh, of cancer, but he was a national treasure, still is over now Croatia, and was just a phenomenal basketball player, way ahead of his time, and and uh, multi-skilled uh, uh, pass. He played like a guard, and uh, yes, he was he was he was he was really amazing. Yeah, so I and I move here and get a job covering the University of Utah for the Salt Lake Tribune in 1993 basketball, and I got to know Bill Marcroft uh, a lot very well, and. Um, he used to tell me when we'd be on road trips just how great that man was as a basketball player. He said, you talk about ahead of his time. He really said that, that at his height and his ability to control an offense, that it was really like nothing he had seen. Yes, he, he was unique. He was he was so tall that over there and growing up in Yugoslavia, they wouldn't let him play underneath the basket, so they drew a line, almost like a three-point line. He had to play on the outside of it. That's where he learned his outside shooting uh, prowess. And, and, of course, he was a great passer. Uh, we would uh, we would throw it into him at the post and cut off him, and he'd sometimes throw us a lot of no-look no look passes. And, and uh, that's where he learned his his guard-like skills and really was unique. Uh, I think his skills would have transferred into the NBA, but he chose to uh, go back to his native Yugoslavia and, and do some work and coaching and playing over there. When 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 Golden was going through, I mean, obviously he had some tough times with his knee. He had some he had some struggles. What what do you think turned things around for him? Well, his his tenacity and his his uh, his family always stood by him and and his his close friends. And uh, as you indicated, Riley, he did have some health problems. And and uh, but I think he his will to will to win and uh, will to compete and uh and to you know stand up to those challenges were were what what carried him through and and uh being able to be a uh, first a husband but then a father to these two sons of his uh Goldie and and uh, and uh Jordan I think really really was was paramount in his life and then and then his family uh uh, we come from a large family. There's six boys, and and uh, we have one sister. And and be, besides his our wonderful parents, uh, uh, all of his siblings stood by him and and helped him along the way uh, after the NFL. And so I think that's what it was. He 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 competed real hard on the field and and uh, battled hard in life to 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 keep on going. So I think that's what what it was, Riley. Doug Richards, uh, Golden Richards' brother, joining us now. Aside from his family, put the family aside there for a second. Okay. Was his greatest accomplishment catching a pass in a, on a Super Bowl winning team for the Cowboys, a touchdown pass, or was it going on a date with Olivia Newton-John? <laughs> <laughs> he pro- pro- uh, that's, 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 a, that's a good one. I think uh, I think probably most people would say. Most people would say that uh, that touchdown he pa- he caught in the in the Super Bowl, but uh, yeah, he was a he was a he was a handsome guy. He had the blessed with the movie star looks, and he had that long blonde hair coming out of his his helmet. And uh, yeah, he didn't have a he wasn't wanting for uh, for dates, and uh, that's that's for sure. He was a he was a good looking guy with a lot with a lot of speed and a lot of charisma. But 
And then his name was actually named after my dad, John Golden, but he always went by Golden. He had the, the blonde the blonde locks, and so that name stuck. And, of course, it ended up being a very good sports name for sure. for him. It's too, too bad the NIL wasn't around when uh, he was at uh, in college. He could have got, sure. got, a little bit, got a little bit of money from that. So, yep. Doug, we appreciate this opportunity for you to reminisce and uh... – we pass along our condolences, and it's a name from the past, and it's great to remember him as a human being and as a dad uh, through good and bad because that's real life. And uh, yep. it was good that he, you know, he, he got on top of things, and what a life he had. You know, few of us can can do all the things that he did, and it's amazing that he's a local kid too. On top of it, yep, right here from 13th East and 45th South, and in, in Holiday. Well, I sure appreciate. Uh, that PK and, and, and Riley and, and those that have, those many, I've had hundreds of calls and texts, those that have reached out and uh, expressed their condolences uh, for my brother Golden. We, uh, as a family, we, we appreciate that. And, and we remember the, we remember the good times and the, and the wonderful, uh, wonderful brother he was to us. So thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Doug. Thanks for joining us. That's Doug Richards, the brother of Golden Richards, who had an, a really uh, unbelievable life in terms of a bunch of ups and downs. But as I understand it, he got on top of things towards the end and uh, passed away at uh, age 73, I think it was, uh, as far as that goes. Uh, Jazz ticket window is upon us here. We're doing it now, but we're doing it when we come back, right? Yeah, all right. So you got an opportunity to win jazz tickets. Stay with us right here next on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. For all of you uh, less motivated listeners, it's time for your 9 o'clock. Where the heck have you been headlines? Where you at? With DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Band of the day today is Frank Sinatra, and it's brought to you by Live Nation. That's what you're hearing. We had Riley Jensen in. He had to take off, and in honor of his wife's got some Italian heritage, as I do. That's why we went with good old blue eyes. And also, two 9 o'clock hour slacker radio headlines brought to you by Tim Daly Mazda Southtown. Find your new Mazda at the south end of the valley at Tim Daly Mazda. Southtown. That's Tim Daly Mazda Southtown. Now, this time on Tuesdays, it is your opportunity to win some jazz tickets, so let's do it. It's a Jazz Ticket Tuesday, and your chance to win jazz tickets is right now. Be caller number 12 at 801-575-ZONE, and you'll win tickets to see your Utah Jazz at the Delta Center. Presented by UCCU. Love where you bang. Jazz Ticket Tuesday, which is today, 830-930, which is now. Caller number 12 at 801 575 zone 801 575 zone wins a pair of tickets to the Jazz versus Washington Wizards at the Delta Center on March 4th. Utah Jazz Ticket Tuesdays are brought to you by Utah Community Credit Union. Learn and earn the app paying your family to learn about money. UCCU. Love where you bank. Yeah, okay. There you go. Call now. 
5-7-5-Zone, 801-575-Zone. Jazz tickets are available for caller 12. Jazz playing tonight with the Atlanta Hawks. Game time is earlier, obviously, 5.30, 4.30 pregame with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe. We'll begin right here on the KSL Sports Zone stations on the FM and AM dial. And it's a big night for hoop in our state. We've been talking about and talking a lot of football with Riley Jensen in here this morning, but also a lot of hoop that's available tonight because you have the Jazz playing, the Hawks. Hawks are a struggling team. It's really interesting with the Jazz because they are in contention, still not out of it for a play-in, but they've got this situation with the Oklahoma City Thunder owning the Jazz pick from 11 and beyond, meaning that if it falls in the first 10, the Jazz keep the pick for this season. So they got an opportunity to have a top 10 pick or it is conveyed to the OKC Thunder, and then the Jazz has a couple other picks at the end of the first round through their deals, and we'll see what they can do with them when we get to that point. But the Hawks, the reason why I bring it up, is the Hawks are in contention for one of the crappier records. So they're not competing with the Hawks for the playoff by any stretch during the other conference, obviously. But you look at it, the Jazz at 27-31, and 31, you know, they're, they're three games back. I wouldn't think they're going to get it, but you don't know. Lakers at nine and uh, the Warriors at uh, ten right now. Warriors are playing good ball. Uh, Warriors are eight and two in their last ten. And for that matter, the Lakers are seven and three. They both are coming off a loss, but maybe they're getting it together a little bit, which is cool to see. You know, you want good teams in the postseason. You don't want teams that stink but get in because they qualify because they don't stink as bad as the others. Uh, but you look at the Hawks, they're 25-32. and 32. So right now, if you do the standings, teams that have worse records than the Jazz are obviously in the West, the Rockets, Grizzlies, Blazers, and Spurs, which I think that you don't much have to worry about that. Uh, maybe the Rockets can catch them. The other ones won't by any stretch. And then over there in the East, because that's what you're competing against, You've got the Nets and Raptors and Hornets and Wizards and Pistons. All those teams, I don't see any way they pass the Jazz. So they're all going to finish. So that's five teams right there that will finish worse than the Jazz for sure. And then at least three teams in the West, which brings you to eight. So you got if you wanted the Jazz to keep the pick, you got to keep your eye on the Hawks and the Bulls that they are – bringing up the ninth and 10th spots, but they're both under 500. The Hawks, man, I don't, with Trey Young being out, I think the Hawks don't, they don't, they can get into the play-in, but they're still going to be one of the worst records. So you're looking at nine, 10 teams. If my guess is, my guess right now today, and that obviously could change because we still have, uh, what, six weeks to go in the season, that, the Jazz would lose the pick but not get in the play on. And is that worst-case scenario? Well, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen. I, I, I'm going along with what Justin Zanuck said, and his statement when he spoke to the media a couple Saturdays back was, if we get it, we get it. If we don't, we don't. I mean, that's really the way you got to look at it because the objective, whether you have the pick or you don't have the pick, is still the same. To get the club better position to contend for a title. That's the goal. And whatever the parameters are within the goal, 
that they don't change. The goal change. The goal stays the same. It never changes. And they're gonna. And if the job is tougher to do it, so be it. It's a tough job anyway. And they knew that when they signed on for it. They knew that when they made the trades of the All Stars and Bogdanovich and Conley and now uh, Olenek. Yeah, I mean they knew all that stuff. Uh, so it doesn't change. The job is for them to rebuild this team to get it in the playoff position and then take the step beyond that. So I think they got two steps to go. You got to get in the playoff, not the play in, but the playoff, which means, you know, uh, top six because seven through 10 is involved in that. So you're looking to get in top six. And then at that point, you're looking to get in the top four, maybe top two or three, maybe top one, the top as far as the conference. And that's the goal. And that's the standard that they're holding themselves to. So certainly we're holding them to that standard and that won't change. It simply will not change. And I don't care if they have the pick or they don't have the pick. They have other assets to be able to negotiate. And it's not like this year's draft is a do or die for them anyway. Right? It's not. They've got other opportunities to build this team. And they will. To what degree? I can't tell you. But I do believe that they'll build it, that it'll be much better. There'll be sunny days ahead. For this franchise, this franchise has been too well run for too long. And I know everybody else is new here compared to the old guard. Ownership has changed, but I don't think ownership in terms of the desire to win is certainly any less. You want to argue it's better? Fine, whatever you want to argue there. But it certainly isn't any less of that, I'm assured. And I don't think Ainge, who turns 65 in three weeks, is thinking that it's going to be a 10-year project. No, I don't think that at all. I think he's got some stuff that they're going to do. To make the team better, would I have liked to seen the, see those guys stay? Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, I'm talk to you go, you go out in the community and people talk to you about the Jazz all the time. Would it have been better if Mitchell, you know, Mitchell was going to leave, there's no doubt. And he played it well. He wasn't out front, but he let them know. And we know that they let the, that he let them know, his people let them know, because they've told us that that's the situation, that he was going to be out. You wonder, you know, would it have been better if you just traded Mitchell? How about if you traded Mitchell for, oh, oh, uh, not Olenek, but marketing, and uh, you would have got the other picks and Abaji and all that stuff and sent him on his way over to Toronto now anyway. And if you made that and you kept all the other guys, what position would you have been in? Now, you would have been maybe financially strapped, and now you're not financially strapped. But, man, that was so, so gutsy to do. Trade both of them. Because certainly, I think if you would have kept the other guys and just let Mitchell go and brought back marketing, probably you would uh, maybe get rid of Bogdanovich. That might have been a complete uh, a repeat of the same type of player to an extent. Would you be a lot better? Yeah, I don't think there's any question, especially when you consider Minnesota is sitting there with the best record in the West. Uh, I guess they're they're uh, tied, literally tied with Oklahoma City. Both teams are 40 and 17. But two of the starters for... Minnesota, our former Jasmine, obviously, in Conley and our guy Gobert. Expectant father, Rudy Gobert, no less. How about that, right? You got that going on there. All right, and that's some stuff that we can talk about. And with the basketball with the Jazz, you also got college. The Cougs, tonight, 6 o'clock at Kansas, number seven, Kansas. How about the Big 12? I've been speaking about this. All winter long. You know, to me, college football is such a big deal. And during the day, now the, the Utes and Cougars played some day games this year, particularly the Utes, man. They didn't really have any big-time late games. 
But there was a void when they play those late games, a void for me during the daytime uh, once college football ended. And the Big 12 has picked it up. Those Saturday games have just been sensational. So many of them. Houston and Baylor on Saturday went into OT. And obviously Houston won. They are now ranked number one. They're the number one team in the country. How about that? And you can argue that they stand a good chance of uh, maintaining that. So they'll go into the NCAA tournament on Selection Sunday with a number one seed, if not the number one seed. We'll see how that plays out. But then you got Kansas at seven, Iowa State at eight. BYU's playing both of those teams on the road to close out. They got four games tonight. Is the uh, first of the four at Kansas, number seven, Jayhawks. And then they've got Iowa State also. But they've got an opportunity to win a couple of ball games, and that is at home to TCU, which lost at home to the Baylor Bears last night. Baylor took it to them, the in-state battle. And that's cool for Baylor because they would have had a three-game losing streak, and that's not what you want. Baylor's a very good team. There's no doubt about it. TCU's decent, too. You can't look at TCU and say, well, man, they're not very good. I don't buy that at all. Uh, the Cougs are uh, a half a game behind. If they lose tonight, they'll be a full game behind in the standings with the Horn Frogs. But they got TCU coming into the Marriott Center where BYU's been pretty good, obviously, and it's three shot. Three-point shots tend to fall at home a lot better. And you look at uh, TCU went to Kansas and lost by two points. And they beat Houston. And they beat Oklahoma. And they beat Baylor in a three-overtime game at Baylor last month. So they've got some serious wins on their resume. They lost to Baylor last night at home. By eight, they were down big time and and made it a little bit of a game. And then you had two teams that don't appear to be going anywhere, Kansas State and West Virginia. They are both below BYU in the standings. West Virginia is 4-11 in last place. Kansas State is only a half game behind the Cougars. And that game goes into overtime at Kansas State. Tang's the coach at Kansas State, been there for two years. Get this. In overtime, in two years, he's 12-0. and zero. Anytime Kansas State gets in overtime the last two years, they win. They're 7-zip and zip this year in overtime. I mean, they're only 17-11 and 11 overall, but they're 7-0 and 0 in overtime. They're thinking if they finish strong, they may have a shot to get into the NCAA tournament. You never know as far as that goes. There's opportunities in this conference literally every single game to get yourself a quad one win and get yourself in better standing. And BYU, if you assume they're going to lose on the road to the 7th and 8th place team, Kansas tonight, next week Iowa State, then that means they've got to beat TCU and they've got to beat Oklahoma State at home. And they should. And I would even say they better if they know what's good for them. But not not that it's going to be easy because Oklahoma State's already beaten them and TCU is a good team for sitting in the middle of the standings. TCU is pretty doggone good. The opportunity to watch great games in the Big 12 has just been outstanding in this conference. And it's going to get even better when the Utes join next year. And I'm not saying that the Utes are going to be dominating. I'm not the Ute football fans who think they're going to roll, some of them anyway. And But with uh, the four teams coming in, it'll just increase our interest in Big 12 basketball. That is for sure. I'll stay. All right, stay with us. We'll wrap up the show next right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.
Enough of us. It's time to hear from you. From all your texts, tweets, and posts. This is the best feedback of the day. Oh, I was there. That's the best game of my life. With DJ and PK on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Get the official debit credit cards of the Utah Jazz, University of Utah Sports, Real Salt Lake, and more exclusively at America First Credit Union. Okay. We've had a great couple of days with Riley Jensen. The guy knows his stuff. He is a sports psychologist, and he played the game. We really appreciate him coming in the last couple days, and he works with high school players, and he's coached high school ball. He's coached college ball. We've been talking about Zach Wilson this morning. What should he do? I'm not ready to give up on Zach Wilson, and why should we? You know, three years with the Jets, yeah, well, they weren't very good. We understand that. But he's still young enough. Look, What's interesting is that Jordan Love sat for three seasons, I think it was, or stood there on the sidelines, Occasionally got in. And then last year comes in and did well. What would we would establish and consider is probably the better word as Jordan Love's so-called rookie season, even though he'd been in the league for multiple years, uh, had the opportunity to get out there and show his stuff. Maybe a couple years uh, watching Aaron Rodgers do his thing and then out there playing good ball. Uh, so can Zach Wilson do that? Yeah, I think there's a possibility. And Steve Young, we had him on last week talking about, not last week, it was before the Super Bowl, he's previewing the Super Bowl, that he wants to see Zach Wilson go to the Rams. That would be seriously cool if that were the case, if he went to the Rams. Absolutely. That, That would be way cool that had that opportunity. And maybe he can do in reverse what Jordan Love did because Jordan Love came out in the 2020 draft and then really didn't play until last season, right? Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, and so, and right now, the, the Packers, Packers got to be extremely pleased that uh, Love was the backup from 2020 to 2022. And... Wilson being thrown right in there into a crappy situation. When you look at what Jordan Love did his first year, which is basically, as we're saying, was last year, go look at the team. Now, the team, it's a football. I think football is the ultimate team game. Every single guy needs to do his thing. Um, And look at Aaron Rodgers' first years, because Aaron Rodgers did the same thing. It's I don't know if ironic is the right word, but Green Bay has had – three different quarterbacks, and the last two of them have done the same thing in terms of sitting behind a star with Rodgers sitting behind Favre, waiting his turn, getting in there, Love sitting behind Rodgers, and then both Favre and Rodgers going to the Jets. Uh, that's interesting, too, the way, kind of funny, I guess, not in a ha-ha sense. But I think Love compa- compares favorably to what Rodgers did. And now give that reset to our guy, Zach Wilson. I would love to see him. If Steve Young thinks he should go to the Rams, then I'm all for it because Steve went through that. Steve is a starter. You know, he played in the USFL and then came over to the Tampa Bay Bucks 
some supplemental draft, I think it was, back in the 80s. And he was 3-16 and in two years as a starter with like 10 touchdowns and 21 picks. And considered a bust in 87, the Bucks had the first pick. They take Testaverde and swap him, Young, over to 40, the 49ers, a couple draft picks. I think it was a second and a fourth. And then we know he sits behind uh, Montana for a good while. And then when he gets a shot, he's a star. He's a Hall of Famer. He's an MVP. He's a Super Bowl winner. Everything you could possibly want out of his career. And plus, I don't know why in the world did ESPN lay that guy off. You want to talk football with somebody and get deep, detailed answers? Steve Young is your guy, man. When we have him on, it's just a, it's always, it's, it's a, I want to say it's a great interview, but the reason why it's a great interview is because it isn't an interview. It's a great conversation. When you're talking with him, it's not like you're interviewing him. You're talking about subjects. We were talking three weeks ago about the Chiefs and Andy Reid and Mahomes doing their thing. That's what we're talking about, man. We're talking about Purdy and the 49ers, and then we transitioned into Zach Wilson. It wasn't an interview. It was a conversation, and I think that, for me, in my opinion, that's when you know you got it going on, when you're having a conversation, and he gives great answers. And thinking Sean McVay, who has worked wonders in his time with the Rams, thinks that Zach Wilson could really, really benefit from that. So it makes, to me anyway, complete, absolute complete and total sense. And I think we all sign off on it. And Stafford's 36 years old, so he doesn't have a, a long time, right? And he, he contemplated retirement before last season. So maybe he contemplates retirement again after this next season. Who knows? But anyway, get Zach over there, let him learn, and then get out. Ultimately, he's going to have to perform. And we can we can get in the Jimmer situation, too, where we can say, oh, well, it's a bad situation. If you have five situations and they're all bad, is it you or is it the situation? Now, Zach Wilson isn't to that point, and so we'll see. Although, who who among us wouldn't want to have Jimmer Fredette's career? Sure, you know, he didn't match the hype in college, but the hype in college was off the charts. How was it going to happen that he'd ever come up to that point? Probably not. But he still enjoyed the opportunity to play in the NBA and was college player of the year. So, there you go. All right. The good news is we're going to resume our normal roles. DJ will be back tomorrow. I, as he says, will be spitting spitwads from the back of the bus. Sarah, Sarah, will you be in tomorrow? Sarah will be in. Young Yak is still off on paternity leave, so he's done for a bit. And the three of us will be here. We'll have a great time. Stay with us. Coming up next, we got the jazz man, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. They will carry you all the way till noon right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.